It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Chris Foster. If you've seen Tyrus on TV or heard his podcast, you know he's a talker. That was the case when he was on the rundown to talk about his new best-selling book, Just Tyrus, a memoir. about his life as a kid in abusive homes when he had a home, playing football, bouncing in clubs, working as a bodyguard for the rapper Snoop, fulfilling his dream of becoming a pro wrestler, and now getting paid to share his opinions on Fox News Channel, Fox Nation, and his podcast co-hosted with Kat Timpf. He talked for a while about the book and his very interesting life, and it was just too much to fit into the regular weekday podcast. That's what the extra's for. So thanks for listening. Please maybe subscribe if you haven't, and thanks if you do. Now here's Tyrus on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Uh, all right, so let's just get going. Tyrus, um, I know you're not looking for tears, um, but I got a little choked up reading about some of the stories uh, from your childhood. Was it, a, was, it, was it hard to dig back into stuff you may not have thought about for a while? Uh, well, first of all, thank you. Um, and, yeah, you know what? It, I think what was the hardest thing is you think about it in your head. And you replay things and you kind of dumb it down and you like you rationalize it and you normalize it. Uh, when you're putting it on paper and someone's reading it back to you or someone's editing it, it, it kind of takes you back there. And it was there were some moments where I kind of just I have a difficult time writing the, the childhood piece and sure. I kept wanting to take things out. Um, it was a lot of that. And I, I still watered some of it down. Uh, probably the biggest thing was. I did an interview a few years back where they got me to talk because I don't like I, I didn't like talking about it. this book was a big step for me. It was like therapy because I didn't like talking about it. And uh, I one of the things was when I first got to my foster home, they had to, like, take all the Brillo pads and stuff out of the house because I was trying to scrub my skin off so I wow. could be white. So I get yep. home under my mother. And it was just something that I just was I just eventually I took out because it was just too. <clears throat> it was just too much. So, um it's good to go. It's good to go through the process of writing it down. I, I never, I kind of scoffed at things like that, but it really helps, and it also helps you put things in perspective. So uh, it was, it was difficult, but a good difficult. If that makes any sense, yeah, um, it does. It makes a lot of sense. And I mean, like, look, you know that you pulled the knife on your dad when you were four years old, and it's in your head. But reading those words, like you said, did, did it seem like you? I, or does it seem like you? When you, when you, when you have a memory of something, it's through your eyes, and then when you write it down, it's like you're the narrator. You're like you're looking down on it, and that was, that was different. And um, I always, and this is gonna sound weird, but I made a joke out of that story. You know, uh, the part about, you know, on TV when you stab a guy, he dies. You know, he just falls to the ground. And when I did that, he was just extremely pissed off. <laughs> so you kind of laugh. I mean, you laugh at that. But then if you read it where you're a four-year-old who's gone from hiding under the bed and wetting himself because he's scared all the time to yeah. trying to stab somebody, it's not as funny as you think. So it's just it's one of those things where it's really I encourage anyone, everyone needs to write a book, whether you publish it or not, just to to get a better understanding of yourself and kind of bring yourself back down to earth. I strongly suggest it. Just it, just hit a couple bullet points for people who don't know how you grew up. Grew up in, uh, started in Lynn, Massachusetts. 
Um, just real quick, see if you like tell, so tell people was, in a couple of minutes what, okay. what your life was like up to. So I was my parents. My mother ran away from home. She was fifteen. Uh, she met my biological father. He was nineteen, and he was the youngest of a huge family. And uh, she was pregnant within a few weeks of them being together. Like it was just. She went from playing Barbies to being wow. uh, yeah. a pregnant 15-year-old who was about maybe 90 pounds soaking wet. And this was the 70s in Massachusetts and uh, was not—it was actually illegal at the time for blacks and whites to get married in Boston. White mom, black dad. Yep. And um, so they they moved them to New Hampshire. And I was, in, I was born in uh, Exeter, New Hampshire because— uh, he wouldn't be arrested for one statutory rape and two, which was the minor one, like they, uh, for the whole, um, the man act and, um, uh, being black and her being white. So I was born there. My, and this is another thing. My best guess was that it was the city of Lynn. I knew I was there for a time, but we okay. didn't move around a lot. Um, and it, it just went from her being treated like a princess to once I was born uh, it that's when it became uh, violent. Yeah. So it didn't start out that way, but it, it it turned into that. And then you you had some adults in your life who were who were good people and and maybe not so good people, and some people like your mom. Your your mom comes off to me like someone who was just trying to do her best. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing is like when you my mother made decisions that as a child I didn't understand. And resented her for it. And she was making decisions effectively as a child. Yeah, as herself. But as an adult and as a parent, I get it now. Because yeah. I, I, one thing I say in the book is that she, her always, her biggest concern was making sure we were taken care of. That was more important to her than anything else was going on. I mean, there's one thing that you hear people say, well, I would never leave my children or never give my children up. If it was the best thing for your children, I think it's pretty selfless. Yeah. To do that. And you can put the negative spin on it, but just think about a mother who has nothing and she's got to, you know, go back to school and get her life together. And she couldn't do both. So she had to make a really tough decision. And her only thing was that we had to stay together. And your she bro- did you that. And your, you and your brother. Me and my brother. Yeah. So. Um, and you were, she was back, she was out of your life. She was in your life. She was almost like a friend for a while. Yeah. I think that's the best way to describe So just to kind of give you an idea, when, when, uh, the abuse from my father probably would still, I don't think she, it would have been the death of her had it not been turned on me. And you, we talked about the knife thing, the stabbing him with the attempting to stab him with the knife turned into one of the worst beatings of my life. And he was convinced that I was not his child at that point. And so then, which meant he was going to pass the savings on to her, but because he put hands on me and was attempting to basically throw me out a window and, uh, of the uh, apartment that we were living in. And she talked him down, but once he had put hands on me, that's what triggered her to go, enough, that I got to get out. Yeah. And so that's what, that made the change. But unfortunately, we got to my grandparents' house, and it being the time, sign of the times, uh, me and my brother were, were just, you can stay, but they can't. Yeah, because you're, well, and here's the other thing, I guess it's the thing about America. If you're, I mean, you're, you're not appreciably darker than I am, and I'm a white guy, but uh, if you're a little black in America— you're black. Yeah, I mean, fifty percent, hundred percent. But uh, I mean, there was this poem in Roots where like they broke it down to where like you were like three fifths, and you were still still had to get get your ass on the field. So, uh, and that's but that's exclusive to America. I mean, that's the one thing about our our 
class of racism. And that was done by the, the founding fathers where it was you're either white or not, period. Right. You know, in, in Europeans, it's different. In European racism is different. In this country, it was very well black and white yeah. <laughs> for no lack of a better use of the yeah. term. So, and, um, and the more kids that are interracial going forward, the, the, the weirder that all is to me. I mean, I've got friends who one parent is super dark, one parent super white, one, you know, African descent, Caucasian descent. And the kid is, but it's a thing. The kid is black. Yeah, it's not it's not argue. Well, again, it goes back to uh, American culture. But at the same time, kids born now, it's a completely different world. And as we know now, it is you can be pretty much anything you can identify with anything you want. Uh, sometimes uh, and I, I talked about in the book, one of the things I said, the nicest uh, white person will say, hey, do you happen to be mixed or you half black? Mm-hmm. And any brother will come up to you and be like. You have black, right? Or you're black, right? So I see it in your face. So it's a different thing where it's like a polite, a polite difference, and it's an a, it's, and on the other side, it's an acceptance. Like we're in the same boat. Yeah. So, um, but that's just the way it is. It's different now. Uh, it's a different world now. It's a better world now. Uh, I think sometimes it's frustrating that we don't acknowledge how much things are better now than they were then, especially on the race front, because now it can be used for anything. But um, it was different then, and. My mother had a tough time with that. And my grandfather, I don't have, and I talk, especially at the end, I have to think my thoughts, where you can have two thoughts about one person. You, a person's flaw or issue should not be the only way you look at them. Yes, he had a problem with race. He had a problem with, with blacks, 1,000%. But he was a family man who loved his family, who worked hard every day. That was just his issue. And if you look at it from where his 15-year-old daughter ran away and met the worst representative <laughs> of that group. So he's going to have a certain way to think. I don't justify it. I mean, but at the same time, I think you can have understanding of where someone's coming from. You might not agree with it. You might not like it, but that doesn't make them the devil. It just makes them, that's their issue. Well, and that is a thing now that uh, you are what your worst transgression has ever been. Right. And that's, that's terrible. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on Outkick.com forward slash watch. It's not all doom and gloom. There's a lot of funny stories no, in yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's get on to those. Uh, you were a bodyguard for a Snoop for a while. Still friends to this day, right? Yeah. Um, uh, Bouncers and clubs. Tell the uh, tell the Snoop story about uh, you're on tour in Russia, and the guy uh, comes up claims to be the best selling <laughs> oh, rapper in Russia. So, uh, all right. So by this time, I'm uh, pretty much known for uh, my bluntness, and I am the guy who ruins everyone's day. I'm the guy who ends the photo shoots. I'm the guy who says no, he has to be at his appointment. That's my job. Yeah, and I excel at it. So we're in Russia and we're backstage and Snoop usually before he performs, he tends to like to like have a minute alone to just kind of like get his thoughts together, com- compress and get ready to go uh, entertain for two or three hours or however long it was. Mm-hmm. And I he's not to be disturbed in this time. And I'm usually on the door for that. And lo and behold, here comes a guy who he was a character out of 
no one could have wrote this guy any better than he had a velvet suit on. Now, not not a jumpsuit, a three-piece velvet suit. <laughs> not a track suit. No, not like, a track like, suit, lapel, like lapels. lapels. Yeah, button down, three buttons. <laughs> uh, suit, cane, every every ring on his fingers, all diamonds. About 47 different necklaces. Hat, sunglasses. Ear. He had the entire rapper starter set and then some. <laughs> Uh, and he, this dude comes walking up, and I'm looking at him in awe. I mean, he's just like he was so shiny. I just remember how shiny he was, and it was a it was a, a lavender and purple suit. Of if that's it was. not yeah, if that if you couldn't, the only thing he was missing was goldfish in his shoes. And he comes up to me and he informs me that he is Russia's greatest rapper. And uh, I believe I said at the time that I said something like, "Yeah, it's like being the fastest one leg runner. Nobody, yeah. it's not really a." Thing okay, oh, oh great, cool, and uh, I need to meet with Snoop, and I said, "Oh man, I'm sorry, he's not seeing anybody right now." And then he reminded me who he was. Once again, once I am again, the, I'm the greatest rapper. I'm the greatest rapper, and I run things here. And it would be in your best interest for me to see Snoop, because if not, you're going to have a problem. <sighs> it's day twelve of the tour, okay, and uh, I just didn't have time, so. What I did was like, okay, look, you got me, bro. You, 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 you got me, sir. I'm the decoy. He's not really behind me. He's down there. And I don't want any trouble. So I will, I will take you to him. And he said, very good. You made, you made a wise decision. You know, I might have a job for you one day. I said, like, oh, <laughs> thank you. So as we walk to the thing, as I open the curtain, there's a flight of stairs going down. And he looks down, and as he went to say there's no Snoop there, I threw him. <laughs> into the darkness. Into the darkness. And as he tumbled down the stairs, uh, he could have been an opera singer because he was, had a really high-pitched scream. But his shoes came off. His purple <laughs> shoes just flipped off. And I closed the curtain and went back to my spot. So I figured he's going to be at least down there for a while. <laughs> And uh, I remember the manager, uh, Kevin Barkey, comes up and his face gets, he's Canadian, and he is about the most fair-skinned white guy on the planet. And whenever he gets frustrated, his whole face turns red. Uh, and I see him with a red face holding the shoe. Is like, do we need to talk about this? And I just said, I would prefer not to. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, he did sustain an in injury, but... Uh, <laughs> unfortunately? I did do my job and, yeah. and kept him safe. And turns out he was, uh, he was a dangerous character. Oh, okay. So I did the right thing. Um... So, bouncer football player, pro wrestler, of course. Um, now you're uh, now on Fox. You write that a lot. All those jobs have something in common, and that you want to be prepared, you want to be ready, but also leave some room for spontaneity. Like your yep. wrestling matches are choreographed to a degree, but within that, you've got to have some room. You got for, to, to for create. Play. Yeah, you can't. There's. Um, I don't like to give away too much of the magic show, but. There's two ways of doing things. There's spots, and then there's call it out there. Calling it out there is the harder of the crafts because you're basically, the you and your dance partner are just going to work together uh, and just kind of play it by ear. Let the crowd dictate it, or you dictate the crowd. And mm -hmm. uh, Some things with camera angles and TV, you, you have to go over, but uh, – the best, most easiest stuff is when you're just like anything else. If you're trying to remember something, it never comes out right. Like if 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 you gave me, you were going to ask me questions about inflation, and I had numbers in my head, and I would, yeah. but I didn't really prepare, and I was trying to remember it. My interview is not going to be very good when you ask me the question. Wrestling is very similar to that. So, um, and the same thing with uh, acting and, and stand up comedy. 
you have to prepare. Everything for me, it, it started in football. It was film study. You, you do the work on the field, but it's not over there. Then you got to go in. Like if you put four hours in the field, you got to put three hours in the, in the tape room. And wrestling was the same way. You always have to be – I was always in, in film study, whether it was promos, wrestling. I would pick a, a classic wrestler, and I would study him for a week, and I'd try to take a few things from here and there, constantly improve yourself. Teaching, you're always having to up your game, lesson plans. you got, you got to keep the kids mm-hmm. interested. And then uh, Fox News is all about preparation. Uh, you have – and it's very similar wrestling. Is like the average promo in wrestling is about a minute. Mm-hmm. Live TV, you got to get it all across, get it in and get it out, and there's no retakes. Fox, um, a lot of our stuff is live, and you buy, and there's other people, great minds around you. You've got about a minute, a minute and a half to get your point across, and it yeah. need, there's no, oh, I'd like to say this again, or, oh, if I could just have a few more minutes. No, it doesn't work that way. So preparation is, is for me, is everything, and in all the film study, I probably watch, um, I would say probably four to five hours uh, a day of film, just breaking stuff down, looking at different things, getting prepared. A lot of it is the, when I, I get off, from, uh, when we finish filming Gutfeld, I go back to my hotel and I'm doing news film study for probably two hours really? each night. Huh. Because and then, you, and then I watch myself back and like, oh, this, oh, you took too long for that. So it's, it's all a process and they're all, to, they're all relatable in terms of preparation. Yeah, see, I don't like hearing myself back. I know it's... it's oh, it's, I hate the sound of my own voice. Yeah, I hate it. It's, it's a, like, I don't think anyone who does, but when I hear myself talk, all I hear is marbles. <laughs> so I can't stand here in the sound of my own voice, but it's it's important in terms of like being better. Um, one thing you kind of finish with is this idea of being accountable. And when you're a kid, it was their fault. It was their fault. It was their fault. Um, but now as a as a grown up, as a dad, um, you want to learn to own your own stuff. Right. And right. also and, and know yourself enough that not that you can't accept legitimate criticism, but know when that's invalid and that you know what you're doing. Right. And the only way you can do that is by being honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother gave me really great advice at a really rough time in, in my childhood. I was dealing with some abuse with my uh, mother's uh, husband and I wanted to run away. I wanted to go back with them. Mm-hmm. And she basically said, there's no escape. And it's not what you're going through. It's your reaction to what you're going through is how you're going to be judged and remembered. And so I lived that with it's my reaction. And that took all the power away from the negative stuff when and never accepting no. So if someone does something bad to me and my it's just like if you're in the schoolyard and somebody hits you and then you run and you hit him back and that's what everybody sees. It's that reaction that you're judged by. Not everyone's going to take the time to say, hey, what happened? Why did you do that? They're going to say, wow, look at that big bully right. hitting other kids. So. It's learning to settle your differences inside and owning every job that I was fired from um, or cut from football when uh, my appendix went out. I can look back and see things that I could have done better. But if I and I focus on that, if I blame the coach for not liking me, he didn't like me, he was hating on me or whatever. I will never get out of that situation, and that will become my golden ticket of obscurity to where that is my out for everything. Why are you 40 years old working in a club? Well, I was playing ball, and I blew my knee out, and my coach was a hater, and you know, and so that's my story. Right. And that, we all and have that friends was that, like that. that. Yeah. Or, you know, I was at Fox News, but you know, I wouldn't say what they wanted me to say, or you know, which never happens. But there's an out. So you use that out instead of going, looking in the mirror going, man, you know what? If I was training better, if I wasn't out in the clubs those nights, maybe my, you know, the alcohol wouldn't have affected my appendix the way it did. So 
you can look at things of what you could have done better and react. Even if there's a million people saying, nope, WWE was wrong. They did you dirty. They fired you. It's my reaction. And I was able to pick up the pieces and move on. If I stayed there, I'd still be there. Uh, well, congratulations, man. Oh, uh, thank b- you. Best-selling book. Uh, oh, let me ask you one more thing. You've had a bunch of Your name's George. Yep. Um, you've been going by Tyrus for a while now. You had some names in the middle. King Biscuit didn't stick. No, um, I wasn't a big fan of that one. Uh, DeMont, thank would, you. If somebody wakes you up out of a sound sleep, what's your name? Uh, usually it's Dad. That's <laughs> 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 only once. Or, uh, you know, but... If somebody, you know what I'm saying. My my close friends, my circle, they, they call me G. I don't think I get called George very much. And that was something that I had to come to terms with in the book was because for a long time, I didn't like my name because I didn't like my family. Mm-hmm. You know, I changed uh, my real biological name, whatever you call it, was Clements. And I didn't think it was fair to my mother. So when I started playing sports and got my first jersey, mm-hmm. they asked me what my name was. And I said Murdoch. Because I thought she was at least trying, so yeah. she, I, it should be her name. So then I realized names, it's, it's, you're not defined by your name, and you're not defined by where you come from. You're defined about who you are. So uh, when I was in the WWE, that's when I had to become, I mean, I had a ton of nicknames, but um, Brodus Clay was mine. and It was like homage to, to Snoop, and Dusty Rose put the clay on the end of it, and it was mine. And then when I left there... I wanted to reinvent myself and I couldn't be just George or, you know, so when a Tyrus came out with uh, John Gerbuck with uh, TNA impact um, and it was about redefining yourself. So that's why I stuck with, with Tyrus. But like I said, people close to me, it's G, but everyone else is Tyrus or the uh, smart ass internet guy. Hey Murdoch. And I'd be like, all right, bro. You got me. Yeah. You, my government name. Congratulations. <laughs> well, in this case, uh, the title of the book, Just Tyrus, uh, a memoir. It's good to talk to you, man, and congratulations again. Oh, thank you so much, man. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the all-new Brett Baer Podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Baer favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.